We start a new series today, so let's get into the series. The name of our series, the name of our series over the next few weeks is called Made. M-A-D-E, Made. The objective is to, the objective is to make sure that everyone understands, everyone that's listening to us sitting here, and everyone that's listening to us on the internet, everyone that's going to hear anything about this, that you were intentionally made by God. You're not here by accident. It's not by chance. You are here because God wanted you here. He loves you. He wanted you here. He planned for you to be here. And he has a plan for you now that you were here. And that at the end of this, you're going to find out what God is trying to do in your life. What he's trying to bring to you in your life. What he's bringing you through to bring you to something. Tell somebody he's bringing you through something. Because he wants to bring you to something. Okay, forget your neighbor. Say it to yourself. God's bringing me to through something <laughs> because he's bringing me to something. He always has something for you to do. Always, 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 always. My title today in the series is called The Mind of God. The Mind of God. The Mind of God. The Mind of God. God has a mind. God is a God of imagination and planning and creativity. The worship song said today he's still creating. He's still doing amazing things in our lives and still has an amazing plan for us. And we're walking and living that plan. If you're not walking and living that plan, by the time I'm done today, you're going to want to learn how to walk and live that plan. You're going to want to get in step with what God has in step for you and for your family and for your friends and for everyone. Amen. Before I start, I want to tell you the story. I've always loved Disney. We got to go to Disney uh, when our children were a little bit younger. We got to go to Disney once, and uh, for some reason, my, my children weren't feeling Disney as little kids. They, they wanted to go to Universal Studios. That's probably overstimulation in our home. But, but uh, so we hung out at Disney for a while. I said, Dad, is there anything else to do? I said, yeah, there's Universal Studio like right down the street. They said, let's go there. They loved it. I said, but before we go there, I want to have one experience. I want to go to Space Mountain. So we went to Space Mountain. Callie was a little bitty thing. She got in the seat in front of us. Josh and Callie sitting in the, in the seat in front of us. And it seemed like to Pastor Linnell that Callie was going to be able to slip through the harnesses. We're thinking we're at Disney. This is going to be an easy ride. This is going to be a quiet ride, but Space Mountain, have you ever been there? So Space Mountain is a dark place. You can't tell where the turns are coming, and you can't see. So all of a sudden, the lights went down, and Mommy Instinct checked in. So she reached over the seat to hold Callie in the seat, screaming, and I said, Sugar, you're scaring her to death. Just let her enjoy the ride. They said she was tall enough. But anyway, the real reason I wanted to experience Space Mountain, once we got off the thing and we all calmed down, I said, this is why I want you to come to Space Mountain. I said, Space Mountain was the first thing Walt Disney saw. He saw it. He saw it in the middle of a swamp. There was nothing there but swamp. It was cheap land. Everybody goes there now, and they love Disney. But when he saw Space Mountain, there was nothing there but alligators, snakes, and water. It wasn't even buildable. So he bought it cheaply. Now, at the opening of Space Mountain, Walt Disney had passed away. He was no longer alive. So when they got up to talk about Walt, they kept saying, we're sorry he didn't see this. We're sorry he didn't get to see this. His wife heard him say it five times, and she interrupted on national TV. She said, excuse me. Walt was the only person that saw this. He saw it in his imagination. He dreamed it in his mind, and he built it on paper, and that's the only reason it's built to the specs you see. We can confuse, especially in Christianity, that we have to see it before we can believe it. And that's what Christianity has done to us. It has made seeing it more important than believing it. And I want to prove to you today, believing it is most important. Even before it materializes physically, if you can imagine it, it means it already exists. The Bible is full of imagination. 
Okay, okay, you won't say imagination. It's full of parables. Things that aren't real. Allegories. Stories so that we can get how God thinks. Now, I'm going to say this a couple times a day. Let me shock you and say it here first. God does not have a brain. He does not have a brain. He does not have a trillion neurons. He doesn't have this stuff we think when we say mind. He doesn't have a body. God is all mind. All mind. And we need to understand how he creates. If we can figure out how he creates, we will leave here today knowing I'm here on purpose. For purpose, on purpose. Period. So Genesis 1-1. Genesis 1-1. Genesis 1-1. Say the mind of God. Elder Franklin, you did a bang-up job Sunday, I'm telling you, man. Uh, so... <laughs> In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Come on. But what happened? The earth was without form, void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Stop there, because I know there's a lot of talk about this verse. Everybody's trying to say what happened before this verse. We're not going to deal with that in this series. We just know that whatever the earth found itself in, it was void. It was dark. There was nothing happening. There was no strength, no power, no nothing, no dominion, nothing on the planet. But listen to what God was doing. Read it. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. It moved over the face of the water. The Spirit of God did it. The, and in the context of this one verse is God's imagination. How he builds and creates. At the end of this, at the end of this in Genesis 1.26, it says it's six weeks. We don't know how long it really lasted. It is a time period where God had in himself. And now what we see is that at the end of this process, read what it says. Then God said, let us make man. Say man was made. He said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let what? Let them have Dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, keep reading, and over the cattle and over and all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So we have a beginning of a process where there's nothing. And the end of a process where man is created to now lead and rule over what was created. We have nothing and man now created because some other stuff has been created for him to rule. We see it? So this is what is important for us to learn when we talk about this. That God is a God of creation. And he does it with his mind. And he does it through imagination. So follow me here. The first thing that God does in this scripture when he sees a void earth is his spirit moved and hovered over the waters. Waters are a sense of creativity. Life is in water. Everything's created in water. God's spirit hovered over the water, and he just began to imagine. How does God create? How does he create? The first thing God does is he tries to find out why he needs something. We get it backwards when we try to figure out what we need. What do I need? No. Why do you need it? Why do I want something? When God, when God saw the earth, the first thing on his mind is, why do I need something? What's wrong with the earth? And the first thing he says is what I want is, I want my spirit in the earth. To bring order, to bring governance, to bring power, to bring life. I want my spirit in the earth because I am the lead creator. In his imagination, he's seeing himself create. How can I create something on the earth that's going to be sustainable? Don't, don't miss this. Don't miss this. If you ever want to do anything powerful, you have to figure out why. 
Why do I want to get married? Checks your selfishness. Why do I want to go to school? Well, I want to go to school. Why? I want a higher position where I work. Why? I want a million dollars. Why? Because if your why is opposed to the will of God, you're fighting an uphill battle. You can't get it if your motives are not pure and clean and righteous. So the question of why you want something is more important than what you want. Is this too much? Okay. So you need to know why you want to go to law school. Why do you want to be a doctor? Why do you want to have power? Why do you want to have children? Please figure that one out quick. Why? Well, I just want kids that's going to look like me. Let me tell you something. They look like you, but your kids are not going to be anything like you when they finally manifest. They're going to be different. They're going to be a higher derivative of who you are. Am I saying something? Maybe I'm not. So the spirit of God moves and it hovers. It moves on the waters as God is imagining that he wants his spirit in the earth. Now the next thing, God, how God creates, now he can decide what he wants. What do I want? What is it I want? And let me tell you what God wanted. Are you here? God wanted man. Let me tell you why. He wanted man created in his image and in his likeness. The real nature of God is not just to rule earth, but it's to rule earth while reproducing himself. The will of God is that he now manages the planet, but he manages the planet through rulership of sons and daughters. It is true that God is not necessarily interested in slaves. He's interested in family. He's not interested in religion. He's interested in relationship. God is more interested in being in a relationship with you and calling you son or daughter than anything else. And we have to understand that when God moves and enters into our life, he's, enter- he's entering into our life because he wants us to be like him. So why is he creating? He wants himself on the planet. He wants because he's the only true God, the only true ruler. What does he want? He wants to rule through children, through family. He calls it man. Not male man or female man, the species man, the human race. He wants to rule through the human race. I'm getting there. Wait for me just a minute. Okay? So now, how does God create this man that has power? He imagines. He imagines. There's a difference between imagination and imagining. Let me explain. In my imagination, and and, and this is what comes to me so much over the last couple of years, I will find out that I'm someplace that I imagined when I was young. I'm there. I'm experiencing it because I imagined it earlier. Okay, any daydreamers here? Okay, no, 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 put your hands down. How many of you got in trouble for daydreaming? No, lift your hands high. You got in trouble for daydreaming. You got in trouble because you was always daydreaming. Sitting in class, they say, you need to pay attention. Because your mind was someplace else having a totally different experience than what you were experiencing. Okay, I can't talk to y'all, huh? Christians, Christians, people who love Jesus. You're boring. Because we have forgotten how powerful daydreaming is. How powerful our imagination is. God has a mind. No brain. If he's going to live in you, he's not going to work through your brain. He has to work through your mind. That's how you know the mind of Christ. When you start using your own mind. Can you give us a message about Jesus? This right here, I'm sorry, I went Mississippi on you. This right here is the best thing you could ever hear about Jesus. What used to happen when you would daydream? Everything around you would go away. 
No matter what people are saying, no matter what they were thinking, you were in another place. You were having a totally different experience. Can I ask this question without embarrassing anybody? How many of you are glad you knew how to daydream? Because some of the stuff you were going through at home and at work and at other places, if you didn't have a place to escape, you would not be here now. So you could go to a safe place. Where was it? In another room? No, sometimes you couldn't get to another room. In another house? No, sometimes you couldn't get to another house. You had to do it right there where you were. And you could go inside your own mind. Your mind is the safest place on the planet. And it's the last place we're taught to trust. Imagining is when I can produce in my head something I don't see. And I can experience it in my mind. I can experience a better life. I can drive a new car in my mind. I can have a better marriage in my mind. I can have children who love God in my mind before I have kids. I know because I did it. I imagined my wife. I imagined my children. I named them before I got married. That's when I know I only had two names. <laughs> That's all I got. So we're going to have two. We're stopping right here. I knew them. I knew what they would be. I had an idea of what they would become. So now I can do what God did after imagining, after imagining, now, now I can place the image on my head. Okay, when I have an image, an artist has an image in his or her head for music or something else. It's in their head. But then they can type it into a computer or design it or something, a house on CAD. They can design it. But it's still an imagination. But when they print it on paper, they have taken what they have imagined and, okay, and impressed it upon formless energy. And now that formless energy shows up in front of their face. God is hovering over the earth imagining what we would be. He's imagining how powerful we would be. And now he's saying, I want to impress that upon stuff that no one else sees. He's moving over the waters, but he's always thinking about me. His spirit is hovering over creation, but he's forming it because he's going to create me later. He built it all for you. And if we're not careful, life will teach us to stop dreaming. Stop imagining. Give you so much trouble that you give up and stay where you are. This is enough. Maybe I'll never experience, I hear people say, I might not, if God never does anything for me ever again, I'm so glad. I get that part of it. I get that part of it. God, if you never do anything for me, I am happy right where I am. But I wouldn't use a period if I were you. I'd put a comma, a tilde, a bow legs, a, a, a semicolon, colon, help me out English teachers. Put anything there except a period or an exclamation point. God, if you never do anything else for me, I'm so happy. However, however, the Bible says you're still creating. You're the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So if you can make grass come out of the ground then, you can make grass come out of the ground now. Whatever you did there, you can still do it, and I'm expecting some more stuff. As long as I am here, I believe that you can create through me. So I'm going to keep imagining. What could be bigger? Ask yourself, what can be bigger than what I'm experiencing? There's always something bigger, always something better, always something open to you. Always God, God is always over your life. Imagining and then imaging. Where you're trying to go, you're already there. Well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, no, you have already done it. If you have imagined it, it's already accomplished. Prove it, pastor. I will prove it by a simple point. Here's my question. Why do you keep thinking about it? 
I'm sorry. We got a new sound system. It sounds good to me. Is it loud to you? Let me do it again. Wake up. Why are you still thinking about it? You think about it when you get up. You think about it in the middle of the day. When you're at a place you don't want to be, you go to someplace else. And sometimes in your life, God hears what you're saying. God, I don't want to be here. I want to be there. So God starts stirring up your nest to make where you are horrible to you because he wants you to move to this next place. Because that's what you're saying in your imagination. God doesn't hear your words until they match what you're thinking. Why didn't y'all write that down? He doesn't hear your words. Because out of the abundance, finish it. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mind, your mind, your will, your emotions, your decision-making properties. He hears what you're saying from your heart more than what you're saying from your mouth. You can say, I hate this car. God hears, I want a better one. But he can't give you a better one because your mouth is not matching what your mind says. Don't tell your neighbor this, but tell yourself. You need to shut up sometimes. <laughs> now, don't tell nobody next to you. But sometimes you just need to be quiet. Don't say, don't say, don't say what you don't want. The kingdom works in the opposite way. When Walt Disney was imagining Space Mountain, the engineer said, why would we do this like this? Little children are going to be in here. It shouldn't be designed to move this fast. And the, the person in charge said, this is what Walt saw. He's already paid for it. He's not here anymore, but we're going to build it to the exact specs he saw. And now people from around the world, <laughs> people from around the world travel to see Space Mountain. If you go at the right time of the year, you can ride it and then 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 ride it and get back on and ride it again. Agnosium. Throwing up. Because children like being in a place they can't predict. Okay. Okay. Now you're going to have kids one day. And you're going to try to make them like you. They have no interest in being you. Until we brainwash them, they want to be them. <laughs> and your job as parents is not to make them you. Don't you be embarrassing me. You better eat all your food. Well, I don't like that. What you mean you don't like it? When I grew up, they ain't, they ain't in Mississippi in the 60s. We had to eat it. They don't have to eat it. They're more interested in being them. Anybody had an imaginary child? Not an imaginary, but a, a, a spacey child. Always imagining. Always outside the box. Always challenging. Parents are sitting next to their kids. They're like, I don't. That child is thinking more like God than you. They're free in their heads. They're thinking and they're dreaming and God is listening. Now you have to teach them how to not just imagine, but to image, to superimpose. This is what prayer is. Prayer is super, superimposing what I see in my mind, connected to God. Hebrews 11, 3 says, the things that we see were not made by the things that we see. The stuff that you see wasn't created out of the stuff you see. It was created by imagination, impressing itself on formless stuff called God. So God is in everything. You don't stop imagining when you leave church. 
Go back to uh, Kingdom Convention a couple years ago when, when Ron Carpenter was here. And he taught an hour and 15 minutes on the imagination. Your imagination. I just wanted you to talk to you about, I wanted to talk to you about God is the original imaginator. And let me tell you something right now. His image of you has not changed. People don't understand God. They don't understand God. Now, I come from a place, we have chickens. I mean, chickens, we let them go around in the yard. At night, they get in a pen. They get in a pen, chickens. You ever, you ever had chickens? Ever watch ducks or geese? Hmm? Those birds, and I got a couple of scriptures I'll give you in a minute. But those birds, what they would do, after they figured out, you know, how does, how does a duck that's never had ducklings think she's going to have ducklings? No one knows. It's her imagination. And all of a sudden, what's she do? She goes and she builds a nest. Has any, has any bird ever built a nest on your house? Do they build it in the same place? I have a family of birds that build their nest every year in the same place. And I will gently take it down once they're born and discard the nest. And the next year, the next family members comes right back to that same address. You're like, this is our house forever. You think it's your house. And that bird will gather sticks and begin to build a nest. Because she has had an imagination of little birds. Once the eggs are in the nest, she will sit on those eggs. Rain, shine, wind, lightning. One year a bird built a nest in our front yard on a little bitty tree. And I said to myself, sugar lump, this is not going to work out well. The wind is going to take this nest out. You're too low to the ground. The cats are going to get you. But it was too late to move her nest. She did it while we were away. And so I'm praying. Little kid, our kids are praying. Lord, help her. She, she looking at us like, I don't know what y'all praying about. She got on that empty nest, and sooner or later, we were able to look over there. Three little eggs, three little speckled little eggs. And she would come and make us leave. She'd come and shoo us off. And I'm thinking, I'm a big dude. I got a broom in my hand. You should probably avoid me. She says, you are messing up my imagination. You need to leave. She didn't care about me. She didn't care about what was happening in my house. She did not ask the tax assessor who this property belonged to. She didn't care. And so Pastor Nell said, just leave her alone. I said, okay, leave her alone. I didn't leave her alone. I had to watch this process. <laughs> she sat in that nest. After she built it, no eggs. I said, oh my God. In a few days, there were three little things. And her posture changed. When she was imagining, you could hardly see her. She was scrunched down in the nest. And I'm like, are there any eggs in there? She would not move. She wouldn't flinch. She wouldn't do anything. Once there were eggs there, her head went up. Her head went up and she was like just looking around. I said, wow, this went on for days. Once the chicks were born, she was just doing this all day. She was doing this. And God said, I am like that bird. I wish I could. Okay. Go to my scripture. Go to my scripture. He says, he says, I'm like, I'm like a bird. I would love to just have you come underneath my wings. Y'all know which one I want? You don't know which scripture I want. You should have just threw one up there. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, go, to, go to Matthew 23. And then we'll go to Deuteronomy 32. Matthew 23, uh, 27, 37, one of them. 
37. I got ahead of myself. Listen to what he says. And, and, this, is, and this is Jesus now. This ain't Paul. This ain't, this ain't John or Luke. This is Jesus. Listen to what he says. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. What does he say? How, read it loud. How often I want to together as a, but you were. Sometimes God has such an imagination over you, like that little bird sitting in a nest with no eggs. He has imagined your greatness so powerfully. He has imagined it that he believes it before it even manifests. And once the eggs are there, he doesn't move from your life. He's sitting on your life. He's watching over you day by day. And once you're born, he hovers. Like the, like the Holy Spirit over the water, he just hovers over your life. And he's saying, I just believe, I believe they're going to come through. Until every chick hatches. Until every person gives birth to their dream. Until everybody lives in what God wants for them. See, God has more for you and he's just still hovering. He's just hovering. He's just hovering over your life. He knows what he created and you're not there yet. He knows what he has for you and you're not there yet. He knows what he dreamed. And he doesn't give up on his dream. People don't understand God. Pastor, I've done so much. I've done so much, Pastor. Why would God? Why would God? Oh, you're going to love the last sermon in this series. Can I tell you something? God never sees you in sin. Never. Never. Even if he did it, you know the picture he keeps in front of him? What he imagined. Now, did you sin? Yes, but that's not what he's looking at. He's looking at the finished project of you, and that's why he hovers. He says, no, you're going to be all right. Just keep going. Just, 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 keep, just keep going. Just, just keep going. Just keep going. That's me. That's me. Well, I feel like I'm alone. No, you're not alone. It's God hovering. God hovering over your life. Come on. I imagined you. I wanted you. You're here now. Get over this. Get past this. I got something bigger for you. Well, God, I did this. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. Jesus paid for that. But I see you in the end. I see you as a finished product. I see you walking in power and dominion. I see myself in you. What am I missing? Hebrews 13. She's, we've been preaching to one another all week. He... Never leaves the nest. He hovers over your life after you leave the nest. He walks with you. Go to De Deuteronomy. He walks with you. He talks with you because he's brooding. He is brooding over you right now. Pastor, what's wrong with my life? The only thing wrong with your life is that you just need to get free and start imagining again. Get the mind of God for your life. Watch what he says here. As an eagle, read it. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up. This is Jesus. He Gathers us up and he, so now once he's created you in his imagination, he didn't create you to be on the ground with the other chickens. Let me help you understand God. You're happy with your life. He won't be happy till you're flying. I've been through a lot, Pastor. A lot going on in my life. I've walked through some stuff. I'm, I'm happy right here till Jesus comes. 
that's wonderful if you're happy. But Space Mountain has to be built. <laughs> if you were designed for greatness, God's not going to stop putting pressure on your life until you become great. If he made you to give an answer to a problem on earth, if he's God inside of you and he puts you here, he's going to continue to do what? Take you up. YouTube it when you get home. How does an eagle teach the eaglets how to fly? Get out of here. They push him off the nest. <laughs> they take, she will take them in the air and drop them. Oh, yeah, you're going to fly. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Say it to yourself. Oh, yeah, I'm going to fly. I have to fly. I might be happy right here, but he's going to make me fly. You are going to fly. You can't even take your children out of difficult situations. Well, I don't like it. I didn't feel good. They didn't treat me right. Not in our house. Go back up in there. When I don't have any power in there. You don't need power over people. You need power over your own mind. Go back to that classroom. Go back and deal with that person. You go back in there, you sit down, and you figure out how to do it. Because you're born to fly. I don't know about y'all, but I don't want no eagles born in my house scratching around like chickens. I had three parents clap their hands. I don't want any eagles born in my house scratching around like chickens. I don't want no eagles born under my roof, my house. I'm not talking about the church. Oh, y'all thought that was my church. I'm talking about my house, my address. Under my... Uh, I'm their daddy. I don't want none of them in my house born as eagles Scratching around on the ground like chickens with their wings clipped. Fly, even if you fly your life in a storm. Fly, even if you don't know what direction you're going. When it gets rough, just come home. Y'all hear me what I'm saying? It's your imagination where your life is built. What do you think about all day? Who's in your head? Hmm? What's in your head? Something that happened in 1962? Why are we still thinking about that? You have control over your mind. It's the one thing in your life you can control. Control it. Tell it what to think. Now, we got schizophrenic people. If you're walking down the hallway, this is your first time here today. We got schizophrenic people in our church, literally. Because you'll see them walking to their car going, stop thinking that. Don't say that. It's not because they're weird. They're just correcting themselves. That's not the right way to think. It's not the right way. I was walking down the hallway. I won't tell you who she was. But she was walking down the hallway a few weeks ago. She said, you can think that, but you better not say it. I knew she was talking to herself. Because I can't say what I'm thinking if it doesn't agree with what God says. Am I making sense? Okay, good. So now, watch this. We'll end with this. Psalms 8. Because you need to understand this. We need to understand this. When I consider your heavens, you know, when you're in the country in Mississippi and you're out in a pasture, a pasture is a place out in the center where cows or something goes and there are no trees around and there are no street lights and you look up in the sky, you literally can see, I mean, you can see the stars.
You can see constellations. And in your head, you go back to Genesis 1 and you see God hovering over voidness. And he put all this together. All of this together. It's amazing, isn't it? Maybe it's not amazing to you. Is it amazing to you to see an ant bed? No, it's not amazing to you. Okay, it's not amazing. Is it amazing to you to watch an aircraft, an airplane, from behind or right in front of, either it's landing or it's flying away from you, and you see this big old tube in the center with these two little sticks on it? And you're trying to figure out, how is that flying and should I get on one? Have you ever seen a woman give birth? The women like, yeah, I've seen it. It, it is mind-blowing. Have you ever seen an accountant do spreadsheets that are 100 pages long and the numbers add up at the end? <laughs> That's amazing to me. Because <laughs> I can't do that. When I look at everything that was made, it's hard for me to think that God would be thinking about me. And David had this same complexity. Listen to what I'm saying to you. David said, when I consider your heavens, I'm trying to figure God out here. I want to understand because I want to find a way to live my life. Okay. And people are like, well, yeah, me too. No, I'm like, for real, y'all. I want to find a way to live my life to the fullest. This, this trading hours for money, <laughs> I, I, I do, I'm sorry, I want to be able to go not just where I need to go. I want to go some places I just want to go. I just wanted to go alligator hunting. I mean, I don't know. It's expensive. I just wanted to go. By the way, that 20-foot alligator took me under the water. I had him on my pole, took me down there, tried to knock me off. I was hanging on. I came up out of the water. They said, you got it, Martin? I said, I got him. He's only 20 feet long. <laughs> Next time I came up out of the water, he had me. They said, Martin, should we chew them? Chew them. I said, don't chew them. I'm going to get him. Next time I came up, I had him. I opened his mouth and I said, you get in the boat. I threw him up in the boat, took a picture with him, threw him back. That's not the way it happened. <laughs> but you'll never know because I'll never show you the picture. It was something I wanted to experience. Well, did God tell you? No. Did you feel the Holy Ghost? Mm-mm. There wasn't no Holy Ghost. I didn't speak in tongues. I went and hunt alligators. Well, I just don't understand why you spend your time that way. It really ain't. I mean, you know what I'm saying? You go do what you want to do. It's just, I enjoyed it. That girl over there, that girl over there gave me the trip. And I was just out there enjoying the bayou. Snakes and the alligators and the raccoons, the neutral rats. It was so beautiful. It restored my soul. To walk in a restaurant and they say, you want sweet tea? First thing, yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out You made everything with your fingers. The moon and the stars which you have ordained, they go around in their rotation and their orbits and they never bump into one another. The, the, the math that runs our universe, people. The precision of God in the DNA cell Your fingerprint, 
So my question is, who am I? Who am I that you are mindful? Why is your mind full of me? Why do you have a love affair with me? Why are you with me at 3 o'clock in the library studying for this test? Why do, I, why do I feel you here? Why do I feel you in the dungeon of my life? Why do I feel you during my divorce? I don't understand. I'm suffering from sickness and illness, but I feel you. Why? Why are you here? Why? I want to understand. I want to understand. I want to understand. I want to understand why the little boy at 12 years old riding by the bayou and seeing people on fan boats fought in his head. I would just love to be out there with them. I don't know what they're doing, but I just want to be on a fan boat in the bayou in Mississippi, Louisiana. I want to hunt some alligators. I don't know why. But I'm sitting in the boat last week and I'm like, you know what? I'm up in a boat going to hunt alligators. And God said, you... You were mindful of this, and I never forgot it. Why is your mind full of me? And the Son of Man, why do you keep visiting me? You keep showing up. Has God, don't raise your hand, has God ever showed up in your life in a dirty place, in a place of failure? in a place of shame where everyone else may have left but God showed up he's going to tell you why in the next verse he's going to tell you why his mind is so full of you it's because you made him you made man a little bit lower than yourself it doesn't mean angels we're not angelic people we are Theos people. We're not in the angel class. We were made in the God class. And you have crowned him with glory. He crowned me with glory. That's why he's in my life right now. That's why if I'm in prison, he comes to the jail cell. When I'm in trouble, he doesn't leave because he's brooding. He's got an image of me. His imagination is full of everything I would ever do. And that's what he's doing to you today. He brought you here today because he's gently fanning you in the nest. He's gently saying, I have more for you. I have more for you. Well, God, I can't do it. That's okay. I can. I can do all of this in your life and I don't want you to fight me. I'm coming to you, Jerusalem, and I'm trying to put you under my wings. Don't fight me. Let me do it. Let me do it. Let me crown you with glory and honor. Next verse. So powerful. So big. So powerful, so big. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands and you have put all things under his feet. He imagined you and you are perfect. I am perfect, you are. You're perfect right there where you are, right there in what you're going through, right there in what you're dealing with. Did I make my point? So here's the imagination of God today for you and for me. Martin, you can't have my mind until you have me. I can't know the mind of God until I receive him. If I never receive him, I can never receive his mind. I'm just going to be paddling through life with no direction. The man driving our boat, the man driving our boat, uh, the man, uh, uh, Mr. Thibodeau, Thibodeau Boudreau, Thibodeau Boudreau, these are Louisiana's names. He's, he's driving us in and out of these canals. And after the 15th canal and twisting and turning, I said to him, now, I don't know where I'm going. Do you? He's all oh, cute, boy. 
He said, my father was the first generation of managing these 2,000 acres. He said, I've been managing these 2,000 acres since I was six with my father. Then he pointed to the front of the boat and says, that's my son. He's the third generation. He said, we can come in these bayous at night and still find our way home. You may not know what a bayou is, but it's like trails of water through swamp. He said these words, my family was created to manage these lands. He's Native American. Cajun, we call him something else, but y'all wouldn't be able to handle what we call him. He said, this is our life. What is your life? Do you know? Here's a time in our service where you can know. I prayed this morning and we met with an incredible team early this morning planning this service for you. Praying and seeking God and saying, God, be a blessing to someone today. Open someone's heart and someone's eyes that they could find you in whatever we do today. And we prayed, we asked God, and I'm gonna be transparent with you. We asked God, God, give us at least seven people today in our service. Give us seven people, God, who will hear what is said through the songs, through the lights, through the music, through the sermon, through everything we do, and have them hear that they were imagined, that you wanted them. Oh, I, I wasn't gonna do this, but maybe I should. A, a young woman came to Pastor Linnell and I years ago, and she said, uh, you keep preaching the kingdom message, but I don't believe it. And I asked why. She said, well, God couldn't have wanted me because I'm a product of abuse. My mother was abused and taken advantage of. She gave me away because of that abuse. And I said, I understand. But I want to make sure you understand that when God made you, he made you in Genesis 1. In his mind, he saw you. In Genesis 3, some things went bad. And now men and not God are in control of this world. And men, men are not always loving. I'm talking about mankind, humankind. When we fell, we fell in our minds, we fell in our hearts. But even if you, even if you got here because of the product of that, God still wanted you. It was supposed to be a holy thing. It wasn't a holy thing. But regardless of how it happened, he imagined you. And now you're here. The best thing you can do is decide to live your life for him.